0: Luke chapter number 15, Luke chapter number 15 this morning. Before we get into the service, I just want to say again that the great sacrifices that were made as a result of the um, youth activity that we planned yesterday, the youth rally, we had a young girl who was sitting right back around where Brother Arnold is sitting today and probably was in that very seat and she trusted the Lord Jesus as her Savior yesterday. And uh, even if no one gets saved, it's worth it to serve the Lord, but we're thankful when God calls other people into his family. Now, she's not a part of our church, but it's a blessing to some church somewhere, and it's a blessing to us, and we believe, according to the scripture, that there's angels that rejoice in heaven when a sinner repents. Luke chapter number 15, we're going to be dealing with the subject this morning of reflections upon the prodigal son reflections upon the prodigal son it's a common story it's also a well-known story in the scripture if you've known the bible for any length of time you've heard this story that jesus gave while he was on the earth luke chapter number 15 will begin our reading in verse number 11 the bible says and he said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the portion of goods that falleth to me And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come before you, and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we need your help at this hour. Lord, we know that there are people who are here today who come to hear a word from you. Our, our love is brought to you, Lord. We, we ask you, Lord, that you'd meet with us in this service. That you would oversee the words of my mouth. That you would help me to say only those things that need to be said. And that you would protect me from saying things that I should not say. Lord, I know that if there are people here that are, that are lost, the scripture declares that you're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Lord, I pray if there's people here who are grieving over a departed loved one, a prodigal, Lord that you would even take this story and that you would provide the hope that we need to have, that, Lord, just because someone leaves doesn't mean that you're done with them. And, Lord, that you're a long-suffering God. And, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we'd like to say about this story is that it is a common one. It is an amazing thing how that when Christ was on the earth, he used so many things to get in touch with people. And often he would tell parables. I believe this to be a parable. He told some parables at the beginning of this story. And if you're really looking at this story contextually, I believe this is a a story or a parable to get people's attention to expose who they were. Okay? Okay. In Luke chapter 15, the context here, if you look at the surrounding scriptures, you'll see that this story was given in correlation to people murmuring against the Lord. In verses 1 and 2, this is who the Lord was dealing with. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So he's got publicans and sinners in verse 1. And in verse 2, the Pharisees and scribes, as they often did, murmured against the Lord. You know, because the Pharisees and scribes knew better than the Lord. They knew what he was supposed to be doing and what he would do if he were really God. They knew what he would do if he was really the Messiah. They murmured against him and they said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now Jesus wasn't eaten with sinners to become more like them. And boy are we having microphone issues this morning. Jesus wasn't eaten with sinners to be more like them. He was eaten. Sorry. I'll hold this microphone. That's a little better, isn't it? Can you hear me now?
1: Now listen, if you're not having
0: fun at my expense, you should be. You know, there was a time when I had one of the pastors that I previously worked with, he had one of these earpieces that he put around the back of his head, and he had one of those preacher furrows on the back of his head, you know, like when he, built, he had one of those furrows on the back, you know, and my furrow was different than his furrow. So every time I turned my head, that microphone would, call, would fall off. And I tried to get that microphone off from me, and I nearly strangled myself. And I have to say that this congregation showed me much more grace than that congregation did, because I began to get heckled from the audience. But uh, I'm thankful for that. Thank you for showing us grace today. We're going to get through this. I just hope you can hear me and that those who are listening to our streaming can hear. I am getting feedback up here, if we could turn it down just a little bit. Uh, Where we were talking about was how this was a common story. application to it but if you're going to look at this according to the context I really think the context is that the prodigal was lost. And some of the some of the verbiage that the Lord uses in the story even toward the end of the story verse number 24 for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know these are salvation terms and so as we come to the story of the prodigal son I think scripturally speaking It is a common story and it is an illustration of salvation. Now, for those of you who have children and you have more than one child, you will understand that the more children you have, the more propensity that you will have for a child to go astray at some moment in time in their life. As a matter of fact, even if you have an only child, your child is a sinner by birth choice and practice, just like you and, and their mother, their father, whichever I'm talking to, what I'm saying is, is that it is common for men to go astray. It is common for people to take a trip to the far country. It is not out of the realm of possibility that there are actually people here today who can remember times in their life when they began to try out sin and to go and dabble into the pool of unrighteousness and sin and they dipped their toe in the pool. And here's what I'm telling you. It's better if you don't dive into the pool. Better if you never take a, a, a even go near the pool, but there's a lot of people who not only dip their toe in the pool, they dive into the pool with both feet and both arms, and they stay in that pool until one day they, they, they see that they're drowning. And thus was the story with the prodigal son. This is a common story. It's common to man. Now we pray that our children heed the warnings. Some of you young people today, you're, you're pondering the paths of life, and it's possible that you may choose to go in the wrong direction. I want to tell you this, when you get done moving in that direction, that satanic and evil direction, if you're still alive, when he's done with you. I want you to know that when you come back to the church, you won't find people throwing stones at you. You won't find people saying, I told you so. You'll find people to say, hey, we're willing to try to help pick you up off the ground and help you. The devil is a liar. He is the chief liar. He is the father of lies. He wants you to try all manner of evil and sin and promise you that good things are going to happen to you if you just do what he wants you to do, but that's not the way it works. It didn't work back in Genesis chapter number 3. The first thing the devil got Eve to do is to doubt God's word. He said, yea? Hath God said? Did God really say not to do this? And then he starts confusing her. Hey, the Lord knows that if you take this fruit... You know, your life's going to be better. You're going to be as, as God's. God's trying to hold you back from good things. God doesn't actually put restrictions in people's lives to hold them from good things. He actually puts restrictions in people's lives so that they wait to enjoy them in the manner in which God designed them in, in life to enjoy them. And so what we're trying to tell our young people is this, is that you may take a trip to the far country... But if you come back, God's people should be a people that are healing. We should bring the balm of Gilead to people. By the way, we should show the same long-suffering and have the same attitude towards wayward people as what God did. God was In, in this, the, this story, the person who was playing the part of God the Father was waiting and watching for someone to come home. I would, th- I would think that this father was waiting with hope that he had prayed for. That he was looking forward to the day when no matter what condition his son would come back. That he would see his son again. When people take the trip to the far country, we as God's people should not give up on them. Can I get a witness in this congregation? I'm thankful that people didn't give up on me when I went astray. You know, this may be surprising, but some of our young people are going to make mistakes. We, we, we've got people who are not even young people and they're making mistakes. How, have you ever made a mistake as an adult? You made a real wrong decision. That was really wrong. I mean, I, I made a mess of this, Lord. I'm thankful that God shows us mercy in the midst of all these things. So number one, it's a common story. The second thing we want to draw attention to as we reflect upon the story of the prodigal son is this, is when you compare the blessings of the far country with the father's house, there really is no comparison. The things in the far country will provide you with a temporary happiness and a temporary joy, which will always leave you coming back for more. We would call this, and you know, probably a bigger term is insatiable. You know, when you come for something one time and then you can't get enough, then you've got to keep coming back and keep coming back. And then what you had before, the amount that you had before, you've got to get more and you've got to get more you got to get more. This is kind of a biblical description of addiction. There are people in our world today that are addicted to substances. And they've got to continue to go back to it in order to get satisfaction. You know, this is the kind of satisfaction that the devil provides. And the Bible talks about this in the book of Hebrews that there are the pleasures of sin for a season. For anybody that says that sin is not pleasurable is not telling the truth. There were times when we lived in sin when there were some pleasurable days in life. And there were probably laughter. There were probably parties that people had gone to that they experienced joy with some friendships and things that they did. And I'm not trying to whet your appetite for the the things that are evil. But what I'm saying is don't lie to our children and tell them that running out in sin is not going to be pleasurable. Because it is pleasurable but it's only pleasurable pleasurable for a while it'll only last a while and it always adds a lot of complications to your life you know you see what all these commercials don't show you is the broken marriages after somebody goes out and and has the miller high life you know they, they don't show you all the people who got beat And end up in the hospital. And they don't show you the dead people on the side of the road because somebody went out and they had a real good time and then took someone's life on the side of the road. They never show you the backside of that mountain. They always want to show you, hey, look, if you do this, you'll be happy. And the people who produce commercials, they're great at this. They're great at this. You know, if you just drink a little bit of this, you'll be skinny. You'll have a six-pack. Some of you guys are never going to see a six-pack. You know why? Because you love carbohydrates. And you eat sugar every time you can get your hands on it. And that's why you're not going to have a six pack. I don't care how much plexus you drink. I don't care how much protein shakes you drink. I don't care how much you go and. and I'm, I'm going to get off into meddling now. I love mashed potatoes too. I just can't have them no more. I spent a lot of years of my life abusing myself with mashed potatoes. I thank the Lord for them. But I got I to say no. Listen. Every time you go to the far country, it it leads to complications in life. The far country can ruin relationships, everything that is precious in life. But when you look at the father's house, you think of what happened when he came back to his father's house. Now, I want to say this to you. For those of you who have a broken home and you don't know what it's like to have a good dad... I want to tell you something. God wants you to have something in your life where one day you get to experience that. Now it's a sad day in America where a majority of young people have never, not one day in their life, known what a good dad is all about. Never had a dad that said no to him. Never had a dad that said, I forgive you. Never had a dad that stood for righteousness, who tried to put God first never known a good, uh, a good role model as a father. You know, it's sad when, when, when most of our young people today, when you talk to them about the blessings of a family, they don't know what a good family is all about. I remember preaching in the jail many times, talking about the love that I had for my father, and then I started asking these guys, how many of you have a relationship with, our, with your father? And many of them would raise their hand and say, I don't even know who my dad is. They've never had a good illustration of what a father is. Now, in Bible times, most people came from families. And so when Jesus was talking about this to those who were listening, they understood what came with the family. You know, the father's house, there was love there. Even when they made a mistake, somebody was forgiven. They were forgiven full and free. He, he, he didn't even let him get his full confession out. The, got, the father here heard his son give a, give a short confession. And he said, that's it, I've heard enough. Get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes, kill the fatted calf. We're having a meal, we're having a party. We're going to celebrate because, hey, my son has come home. The third thing we want to point out from this story is this. It's never, bad. It's never a bad time to make a right decision. When this young man came to himself, do you know where he was? The Bible says that he was in a pig pen in verse number 17. He he done spent all the inheritance that he was given. He spent it all. Everybody was his friend when he had money and that's typically the way it is. But when people get money and they come into it quickly often, they they don't know how to keep it. They don't know how to keep it. They don't know how to... How to, and, and I want to say this I'm thankful that I was born into a, more of a poor family we had to rely on God for things I knew some of my friends and they got everything they ever asked for they, they were raised uh, you know, in a rich environment and by the way parents you, you need to do your best to try to have a balance in your life on saying yes and no because if you say yes to everything your child asked for you're going to be unleashing somebody on this world who doesn't know how to take no for an answer and that's not a good thing sometimes even God says no to us does he not? That means we as parents need to be understanding the kind of influence we're having. Well, don't you tell me not to say to say no to my kid. I'm going to give them everything that they want. Yeah. I'm just here to tell you, you know, that's no way to parent a child. Children need to have examples to be shown to them. I've been having some people encourage me to stop mimicking because people actually think that I'm doing something to people that are in this room. Sometimes I get a little out of character when I'm hungry or I'm tired. And right now I am both. And now I am both. She'll have to forgive my humanity. It's never a bad time to make a right decision. Even from the pig pen, the prodigal made the right decision. He started thinking about, where where are we heading? In the book of Proverbs, it tells us, and young people, I hope you're listening, and even you older people who are in the midst of a valley of decision, you should probably never make, uh, you know, a whole lot of life-changing decisions when you're in a valley or when you're in distress. Sometimes you're forced and you're backed into a corner and you have to make a decision. And such was the case that the prodigal son, he began to ponder which way he was heading. The Bible says this, ponder the path of thy feet. You keep living the way you're living, where are you going to end up? You keep looking at what you're looking at, you keep thinking about the stuff you're thinking about, what are, where are you going to end up? I want to tell you something, the further you get away from the Lord, the more scary your thoughts can be. You have no idea where you're going to end up if you walk away from the Lord and you start doing things. I'm going to tell you something. Satan's got a way of putting thoughts in people's mind today. He's doing a great job in the United States of America. Just watch the news. There are people who are sin-crazed all over this country. And they have some thoughts coming through their mind about doing harm to other people. I'm going to tell you, you'll never know where you're going to end up if you give your life to the devil. But what I am going to tell you is this, is that even if you're sitting in a pig pen... Hopefully you can come to yourself. We call this repentance. This is a process of repentance. When you begin in your mind to begin to think about, you know, what, what you want, what you don't want. And as he sat there and he evaluated where he was. You know, he didn't plan for his life to be in a pig pen when he left home. But that's where he ended up. And he had to take accountability for where he was. And he says, he starts thinking about, man, even, even my dad's servants have it better than this. As I'm sitting here trying to feed myself. You know what pigs eat, don't you? If you ever gone to a pig pen, it does not smell like a nice, a, a nice endeavor. You know, if you ever been around a bunch of pigs, do they have pig farms around here in the state of Texas? I know that we're professionals at eating pigs around the state of Texas. I mean, I, I, like, I, I like bacon personally, but uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I'll, I'll say that, you know, he put the excuses away. And he began to take it, you know, some people, this is where it stops with them. When they come to themselves in the pig pen, they stop right there and they never wind up taking that first step out of the pig pen. They never end up coming back to the father's house. She said, well, it sounds like you're talking about a work. I'm talking about something that is true. When you come to a place of repentance or turning, taking that first step happens because you had a change of mind inside of your heart. It leads to a change in your actions. You know, this young man from the pig pen said, and you say, you're talking philosophy. This goes against a book that I read that has this theological this or that. Listen, put all the books down and just get back to the book. This is what the book says. The book says as he was sitting there in the pig pen that he he took a step back towards his father. And you know what? He was in the center of God's will with that first step. God sees when people are right there. That's where God wants us to be anyway. He wants us to be honest with Him and take a step towards Him. His thinking was flawed in the pig pen. He just said, when I get back to my dad's house, I'll, I'll just be like one of his servants. That's all he's going to allow me to be. Oh no, it was much more than a servant that he made him. He made him an honored son when he got back. Your thinking will not be always right when you come to this place of repentance. But when you come to this place of repentance, it's actually a good thing. It's a good thing. Number four, coming home was a decision that led to blessings. I want to think, first of all, the blessing of what happened when this young man came home. I want to say, first of all, being a father and being a a prodigal at some times in my life as well. I've been on both sides of this. I remember getting through with my life without Christ. I was a saved young man. I'd walked away from the Lord. And I got to a time in my life where I started evaluating things and I knew that God wasn't pleased with how I was living. And I remember the song director was singing a song, you know, called, Lord, I'm coming home at the invitation. I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. And I think on that is either that song or Softly and Tenderly, whichever song, when it says, open wide thine arms of love. And I could feel the Lord saying, I won't take you back. All you've got to do is come. And I had a broken life. And I knelt down in an altar with a broken life. I said, Lord, all I got left is pieces. But I'm giving the pieces to you. And the Lord began to put things back together. And Today I live a dream. I have blessings untold. I thank the Lord for all the blessings he's put in my life. You know, God has been so good to me. But he, he, he brought me back. He didn't, he didn't leave me in my broken state. You know, that's not what kind of God we serve. He doesn't take a repentant sinner and say, you know, be gone. You know, I don't have time for you. The Lord has time for us. And I think that it was a blessing for me when I got right. But it was also a blessing, I remember, for my parents. For those of you who may be in this prodigal estate. You know how, how, what a blessing it would be toward those who love you to see you coming back? To see you coming home? I, 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 you know, as, he, as the Lord begins to tell this story you could see the love of the Father as He's looking for His Son to come back down that road and when He sees His Son He's in tattered garments and He doesn't have a ring on His finger and He doesn't even have shoes on His feet He comes home and His life is a big mess but He says this is my Son and He was dead and now He's alive get Him the robe get Him the ring get Him the shoes and let's get Him some food that's the blessings the blessings that led from his decisions. You know, coming home was a decision that led to blessings. It blessed the father, it blessed the family. It didn't bless everybody in the family, and we'll probably get into the elder brother in a couple of weeks, but because there's an illustration of who he is too, and there's probably some people that could identify with the older brother. But coming home blessed the prodigal. He knew what it loved what it was to be forgiven, full, and free. You know, when you look at this story as we close today one of the things that you see here that is likened to a salvation experience is the mouth profession that was made by the young man you know if you ever get saved there's going to be a profession that you make with your mouth the bible says this that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved the mouth confession is illustrated here When the son comes all the way home to his father in verse 21 and says to his father, this is his confession, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And he recognized that he wasn't any more worthy to be called his son. This talks about his humility. The, the brokenness that was in his life it was genuine. He wasn't feigning it. He wasn't faking that he was humble about what he had done. He was genuinely sorrowful over the failures that he, and the shame that he had brought to his father. And the thing that he confesses is, listen, I've sinned in front of God. I have lived a sinful lifestyle. I've sinned before heaven and I've sinned in your sight. This is likened to a salvation testimony. Nobody gets saved before they confess that. You say, "Well, Pastor, I've never confessed that I'm a sinner. I've never said that to the Lord. Can I? Can I encourage you to get saved today? Because you can't get saved without confessing that you're a sinner. You also can't get saved without recognizing what the remedy for your sin was, and that was the blood of Jesus Christ." We, Sister Deborah, sang that beautiful song today about Calvary and the blood. And we sang this chorus that Brother John—that was the first time ever—sang that chorus about. The blood. I think it was on page 22 of our song or, or page 44, that was, or whatever page it was. All I know is a good song. It lit, my, it lit my fire. You know, I'm under the blood. You know, I believe the blood of Jesus was applied to my account when I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I trusted Jesus Christ to save me. He covered my sins with His blood. He washed my sins away. He separated my sins as far as the east was from the west. The Bible says He's buried them in the deepest sea. That my sins are no longer remembered by God. My dad reminded me of a song that I sang a few years ago called Everything He Forgot where the songwriter said that there'll come a day when I see Him in glory and I'll only, and, and, and I'll only uh, know or remember uh, Calvary side of my story. When my sins were forgiven, my salvation was bought. Oh, what a moment when I can't remember everything He forgot. Some people beat themselves up for the rest of their lives because they made mistakes in their youth. I want to tell you something. God says, I forgive you and I've put that away from you. And he's put it, you know, if you've done things wrong in the past, you can let that go, friend. Because God's forgiven you for those things that are under the blood. You know, when you see a mouth confession here, you see that glory came and the forgiveness came. And the authority of a son and all the party and the the happiness and the, the things that took place after came after that mouth confession and the humility of a heart. Young people, I'd like to say this, that being a human being does not mean that you must take the path of the prodigal. There are some people who believe that every young person or every person will one day take a trip to the far country. That is not true. You do not have to go to the far country. Those of you who are church kids, you've been raised in church. you got a mom and a dad and they're telling you, hey, don't do this. Don't go there. You know, stick with the Lord. Love the Lord. You don't have to take a trip to the far country in order to get saved. You just have to recognize that you are a sinner. But some of you have already been to the far country. And there could be somebody here today who you've been in the far country and you're still being accosted by this world of sin to go back to the far country. This is what I'm telling you. Turn from that. And come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as, as the Father was waiting for this prodigal to come home. He'll wait for you. He's watching for you. There could be somebody in this room today who's being kept by sin. Who's being stolen from by sin. And you're still dabbling in it. You don't want to acknowledge, hey, this is what it is. These things that you're doing, that you're, you're hiding from everybody else. I want to tell you something, God. The Bible says this in Proverbs fifteen three. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He knows everything that's on your hard drive even after you wipe it. He knows all of your history. He knows everything that goes through your private thoughts. He knows every little stash that you got here and there. He knows everything that's going on in your life. There's no, no part of your life that's hidden from Him. The Bible says that He even understands your thought from afar off before you even think something. God knows it. Isn't it about time that if you're dealing with God and God's trying to deal with you, that you say, yes, Lord, I need to get saved. There could be somebody here who needs to get saved. There could be somebody here and you're dealing with a prodigal now. I want to say this. This story gives hope to those who have members of their family who are prodigals. God brings home prodigals. God does the work in prodigals' lives. And by the way, you've got to allow God to work. You don't find the father going out there to the pig pen and picking that kid up and bringing him home. No, the father waited for him to get done and to come on back. Sometimes there's a wisdom and you've got to pray and you've got to trust God. You know, parents, there's a, there's a story in the scripture. You remember when Moses got too big for his mother to hide him anymore? When he was a little baby, they were trying to slaughter all them babies. And she made a little ark of bulrushes for him. You don't think it took a little courage and strength for mama to come down to that water? Put her little baby in that little boat Push that boat out and say, Lord, it's now you. Hold that child up, Lord. Some of us can identify, even now, we've got children we're praying for or a loved one that's gone astray. Never give up hope that God can bring them home. Wherever they are, you know, I remember when I was in the military, I went to Fort Hole in the woods. And, yeah, it's called Fort Leonard Wood. It was a God-forsaken place. And there were some evil people there. They wore circular brimmed hats and they called me every name but Boojack. Called me all manners of names, names that began with boot and everything else. I'm not going to talk about all of it, but I was not I was not addressed in a in a good fashion in, in, in the military. But I remember getting up at four o'clock in the morning and having to run. Running was not my favorite. I remember I was running out there and I'd look up at those stars and I would remember that the same star constellations, the same same stars that I could see back in my home. I could see when I was out running in the morning in Missouri. Some people, they're, they're, in, a, they're in a far distant country, but they, they know that they've been under them stars before at a different time in life. All I can tell you is this, that God can take you wherever you are, and he can bring salvation to you in your life and if you are a parent, if you are a family member, and you got something going on in your life, and somebody in your life could be a wife, could be a husband, could be a son, it could be a daughter, could be your mother, your father, and they're living that life of a prodigal, my encouragement to you is this. Do not give up hope. We serve a God in heaven who is long-suffering and merciful, and he delights to bring prodigals home. Sometimes we would not experience the joy of a prodigal going home if they just didn't manifest themselves and leave, leaving. That, that boy was a prodigal far before he got his inheritance. He was a castaway even while he was in dad's house. He wasn't in love with dad, wasn't in love with the family, but there came a time when he had all of his fill and came back home. We thank the Lord for his mercy and his loving kindness. Maybe you have a son or a daughter. Maybe you have a family member today. And maybe you need to use the altar for what it's here for. Communication with God, prayers of faith, and hope and confidence in God. Let's stand together as we have our musicians come. We prepare for this verse of invitation. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're, we've come to this time where we invite people to come. These have come already. And, God spoken to your heart. There's somebody on your heart this morning. Maybe you need to come and bow the knee before the Lord and pray for them. Maybe it's a son, a daughter, somebody in your family. There's also others here today, and you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You've never been saved by faith. You've never come to Jesus. Trusted Him. I want to invite you, just as the young prodigal he he's in that pig pen he said i don't want this no more that's the attitude of repentance by the way the attitude of repentance is i don't want this anymore i don't want my life with christ, without christ anymore i want jesus if that's your story as brother john sings i want to invite you to come won't you come today praying for the wayward Um, keep bringing them to the Lord don't give up hope
1: Lady has come, and she has requested to join the Baptist Church.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, we're thankful for that. Who has... was actually the, the successor of J. Frank Norris at Temple Baptist Church. She was baptized in the great state of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's where I got saved and baptized too. Now, my wife came from Memphis. But we met in Michigan. So oh. I'm thankful for the state. And I, I know Miss Annette is thankful for the state of Michigan
1: too, right? <laughs> uh, anyhow, she from, awesome. yeah. Texas right Amen. Thankful Amen. for the great state of Texas. I'd like to, 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 to just say that I have truly found a Bible believing church. Yeah.
0: Yesterday, he was just asking me how things were going. He watches the service and such. And I said, Dad, you know, it's been rare to come to a congregation and experience so much love so quickly. And uh, I thank the Lord for this church. And uh, I'm glad that Miss Annette has been visiting with us. You know, her her daughters live here in the Fort Worth area. She comes to us from Tennessee. She's right. a widow. Her, her husband passed away in 2020. And then her daughters want her to come down here so they can take care of her. But in the way that it's worked out, she's had to take care of her daughters. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, she has come by way of statement. Uh, she'd like to join the church by her statement of faith and her baptism. She was baptized many years ago in Temple Baptist. Do I hear a motion in second? and second? we receive her into the membership of Brother Earl and Brother Lonnie? Uh, everyone else, by the raise of hand, if you agree. Amen. Any opposed, the like sign. And I see none. Thank you for fellowship, and uh, uh, Brother Mark Davison, if you'd come on up here at this time. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry about the microphone, microphone problem. I
1: kept thinking that there ought to be a YouTube video about pre-problems with microphones. <laughs> we would so like to I take a few minutes did. to do a proper send-off. To some of our staff members. Daniel and Michelle, would you come up? Come on up here,
0: both of them.
1: By the looks on their face, we might have been able to keep this on the down low. (laughs) Come (laughs) on up.
0: Come on up. We're leaving? Go ahead, tell
1: them. So, Pastor orchestrated uh, quite well uh, taking up an offering to give them some snack money on their vacation this week as you know brother Daniel and Michelle work tirelessly and the pastor can attest to this since he's been on staff I would say he really depends on them as much as they've done for him to keep him in check these last several weeks but uh, anyways we took up some money they're taking a, a week off uh, it's very rare that they take any time for themselves they're usually spending it dedicated to you um, not only do they uh, put a lot of effort into our youth program but they put a lot of effort in this church Amen. Uh, their visitation program they're following up with people uh, I can't say enough about what Michelle does to keep everything together. Uh, She keeps me in check with our finances. I depend on her greatly. And uh, she's done a great job. And uh, also Danette that backs up all of that as well. Um, But finally, finally, we're able to get them out of here. (laughs) And uh, nobody needs you this week. Amen. Okay. All
0: responsibility, that doesn't somewhere. mean I won't check my
1: phone. <laughs> you can take your phone, but you're not allowed to come back early. Amen. And anything you need you, you get a hold of one of us to take care of for you. Amen. Anyways, um, please put your hands together. Let's give them a round of applause. Before I forget. Church has taken up just through word of mouth a thousand dollars. Wow! Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying not to get emotional, but y'all mean a lot to me. Thank you,
0: Amen. Uh,
1: Brother Mark, you can stand over
0: there with them. Oh, you guys aren't dismissed yet. <laughs> Uh, Before we're dismissed, I just want to say, you know, we we give all the glory to the Lord for what he's done in the lives of people. But occasionally, God allows you to serve with people who have really made a difference. And uh, I have a a soft heart already for the Flores family, for all the sacrifices that they've made uh, for the Metropolitan Baptist Church. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we want you all to stand up here. And uh, along with Miss Annette... And uh, you're not dismissed until you come down here and give your little appreciation to them. If you didn't get a chance to give to Brother Mark and you have a Baptist handshake, say, what's a Baptist handshake? That's where you kind of crumble up a dollar bill in your hand, and then when you shake their hand, you give it to them. And if you, wanted, you want to give them something extra to be a blessing to them, to show that you care for them. And uh, I just want to say this to the church. Thank you for your generosity towards, your, towards servants who love this church. You can give yourselves a big hand.
1: All
0: right. We're going to ask Miss Annette to stand right down here in front of the Lord's Supper table, along with Brother Daniel and Miss Michelle. They're not going to be in church tonight, not because they're trying to be unfaithful, because they're leaving with their family. And so uh, you you come by and shake their hand, tell them you appreciate them, and uh, you pray for them this week that God will give them a good time away. All right, we're going to pray, and then uh, we're going to have a you know the piano player will play some songs, and come down here and you you shake hands with these dear brethren and sistern. Uh, Brother Drew, would you dismiss the service in prayer, please?
1: And we thank you again for everything you have done. Most of all, your word. We need your word more and more every day. We thank you for it. We thank you for our lives. It's waking us up this morning, giving us another chance to do it, to be what you have us to be. Lord, we ask you to go with us as we go on our journeys away from this place. Bring us back at that point in time. Lord, we love you.
0: We thank you. We give you... Totally all the